0: Welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. My name is Ben Crisp, and I will be hosting this podcast today, focusing on the research method of ethnography. The podcast will delve into what ethnography actually is, exploring its origins and history, its impact on society, as well as looking at how ethnography can still be done in the current climate. For the podcast today, we are joined by ethnographer Dr. Katie Godini. Katie is a sociologist and a writer. She is a senior teaching fellow in the Department of Social Science at the University of College London and an affiliated researcher at Cambridge University and the University of Johannesburg. She is currently writing a book based on five years of ethnographic research with single evangelical women to be published by Columbia University Press. At UCL, Katie lectures on ethnography, teaching the methodology and also the history. Welcome, Katie.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So... First up, Katie, for anyone new to the subject, could you please describe to us what ethnography actually is and what ethnographic research is?
1: So ethnography is a research method often used by anthropologists, but also sociologists and geographers to try to understand a people group. So ethnos itself in Greek means a multitude or group of people and graphy means writing. So it's not only the study of a group of people, but it's also the writing or the telling about that group of people.
0: Fantastic. And so what is special about ethnography? How is that different to other kinds of research?
1: Ethnography is a prolonged, uh, intense and often long-term form of research. So it involves living with um, and amongst the research participants and really trying to understand what it's like to be them. So taking on the styles of dress, the food, the customs, the ways of speaking, often living in homes with the research groups. You can think about ethnography, often what comes to mind, is the idea of a Western ethnographer going to a far-off place and living with a tribe. Um, But ethnography can also happen with people groups that are recognizable to you or familiar. Ethnography produces rich and granular understandings of a research subject. So whereas interviews would maybe scrape the surface or elicit particular types of data, Ethnography really goes more in depth. It's trying to get under someone's skin or a people group's skin.
0: Great. And how did ethnography come into being? What are its origins in history as a research method?
1: Traditionally, ethnography really came into popularity in the early 20th century. But actually, the origin of ethnography comes from far before that. So we can think about some anthropological ethnographic practices that were done before ethnography was known as ethnography. And I'm thinking here specifically of Zhao Dagan, who did a record of Cambodia in the 1200s, and Fadlan, who did a study on the Vikings living amongst them. And he was an Arab scholar in the 10th century. And then in the 1920s, there was what's called a fieldwork revolution, where there was this emphasis on very close empirical observation of people groups and the idea of fieldwork or going into a research setting arose. It was a shift from studying a people group or studying a society on a grand scale to looking more in-depth and looking a little bit more closely at people's lives. And what these anthropologists in the early 20th century were trying to do is challenge some taken-for-granted assumptions or understandings about the world outside of the West.
0: Okay, and bringing ethnography to a more current setting and in line with the work that's done at the Design Thinkers Academy London, how can ethnography help businesses around the world? You obviously look at it from an academic perspective, but how could the method of ethnography help businesses in modern day?
1: If you think about it, ethnography is going in depth into a person's psyche and their life and the way that they are motivated, the way that they view the world. So it's it's asking the very basic question, what's it like to be you? And that can aid businesses and companies tremendously. They can get a much closer and much more detailed view of what their users or their consumers want or need or appreciate, and it can really help them tailor the product that they're delivering to the needs of the consumer.
0: And tell us about how you've used ethnography in your own research.
1: I did an ethnography with single evangelical Christian women in the U.S. and the U.K., And the aim of the study was to live amongst these women, to really understand their faith experience. And in doing so, I did a lot of what ethnographers often do, which is hanging out and in non-academic terms. So I went to exercise classes with them, I went to cafes and restaurants, dinner parties at their house, birthday parties that they had, church events, Bible study groups, basically shadowed them in their daily existence. And from that experience of doing that over the course of four, four and a half years, I've been able to get a really in-depth glimpse into what their faith means to them.
0: Because that study was done over a period of five years which was obviously very time-consuming. Are there opportunities to conduct ethnography in a less time-consuming way that is more accessible to the wider public?
1: Yeah, there are a few more modern spin-offs and versions of ethnography. So one is short-term ethnography. Short-term ethnography is a very popular way of studying people, of telling a people group a story in a short amount of time. And it's particularly useful when there's constraints, for example... COVID-19 restrictions, safety concerns, limited funding. And the idea is to do a very short but intense and deep bit of fieldwork and gather data and can be very useful when there are certain constraints around. There's also digital ethnography, which is becoming more and more relevant in our current situation with the coronavirus lockdowns and quarantine. And this is where you conduct an ethnography. So again, think in-depth way of studying people or a people group, doing it online. I've seen a few different ways recently that digital ethnography has been used, especially amidst the current situation of the pandemic. One example is some colleagues of mine are doing research on the effects of the quarantine and lockdown on family life. And to do this research, they're conducting interviews over Skype, they're using text messages and phone calls to collect data. There's also ways that colleagues are going onto chat rooms to investigate particular phenomena, the ways that they are using web forums and and other online tools to conduct ethnography when in-person options are not available.
0: And how does this type of ethnography then still bring rich results?
1: Oh, they can definitely bring rich results. They're still interfacing with people on a very personal and in-depth level and, and gathering in-depth research from individuals, it's just in a different format, using technology to get get that information. And as I say, especially when a lot of these different methods are combined together, so going onto chat rooms, Skype interviews, phone calls, text messages, web forums, it can really produce a rich set of data. The third type of ethnography that's becoming really popular is autoethnography, and this is where an individual will research their own life and their own experience in order to produce um, a very rich understanding of a particular phenomenon. Autoethnography is a really useful type of ethnography. I've seen this done with individuals who are studying the effects of racism or sexism. By analyzing their own experience of discrimination, they're able to shed light on the phenomena of racism or sexism, um, the way it affects the social world.
0: And how, how do they collect data for autoethnography? They
1: take notes of their personal observations of their own experiences. They journal about it. They write long form essays reflecting on encounters in the social world, what those encounters have been like, and then the feelings or the affect that arises from those uh, encounters.
0: Even though that's just one person's experience, how can that be important for the wider general public?
1: The aim of ethnography isn't to make generalizable facts about individuals. It's a, the aiming to go deep and to understand a person or a people group set of experiences and how that can, through that understanding, can help us relate to people or understand a particular phenomena um, at a really rich, granular level rather than at a surface but generalizable level.
0: And that's why you would prefer to use ethnography over, say, statistics.
1: Yeah, rather than survey data, which can give very interesting insights, especially in terms of the sort of breadth of a particular situation, but it doesn't give the depth, it doesn't give the nuance. And I choose ethnography for my own research because I want that nuance, I want that depth, I want some of those paradoxes to be able to come to the surface. And really, you need an in-depth method like ethnography to do that.
0: So for any business contemplating whether ethnographic research could have value to them, what would you say?
1: I would say ethnography is relational, it is spontaneous and open-ended, it's holistic, whereas other forms of research can be very focused, and it's immersive, so it produces very rich and very deep findings.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly why the Design Thinkers Academy teach it on their courses, because of a lot of the reasons that you've just mentioned. Um, Thanks for all of that, Katie. Have you got any last thoughts you want to share, any last summaries on ethnography?
1: At the end of the day, ethnography is about understanding a person, a set of individuals, a community on a very deep level to produce a rich knowledge about that person or that community and then in turn to be able to relate to them better as a result of the understanding you've gleaned. It's through understanding what their need is that you're able to actually affect change or have any sort of impact on them.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Katie, for sharing that. To learn more about the Design Thinkers Academy London, including their new online courses, you can visit their website at www.designthinkersacademy.co.uk. You can also follow them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another podcast coming soon.